Hey, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And welcome to your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. Today, we're finishing up our interview with Shanti and Jeff Felthon, authors of the new book, Thriving in Love and Money. So if you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen to it. We had a great time recording this series. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources mentioned in the episode. And as always, we pray that this podcast helps you to see yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. All right, let's listen in on part two. What I love what you guys have done, not just with this book, but all your books, um, is the research. You know, it's not just you guys saying, here's my thoughts or here's what works for us. Like you have done extensive research. And so you had said earlier that you'd be happy to kind of explain a little bit about what that looks like. So why don't you go ahead and, and dive into that? And then let's go through those three points to help others kind of see what you've learned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the research process for us is essentially we start off with just tons of interviews and focus groups and whatever the question it is that we're studying, we're trying to get a handle on it because we don't have any idea what we're looking for. Like we're just trying to see patterns. So for this, our, our question, our research question is what's underneath our responses to money that either causes us to thrive or not (laughs) in our marriage in trying to figure out something that will help. Right. And so, you know, we ask people their patterns and found exactly what you did when you asked people their patterns, which is people don't even know how to go there. Like they don't even, their grid isn't even thinking that direction. And so we start diving deep into all of those wants and desires. You're like, you're four core motivations, trying to get under the hood. And suddenly we start seeing patterns. Wow. I think I've heard this 117 times. We should, we should dig into this a little bit more. And over the years, in this case, a three-year study, which is pretty normal, we were able to identify some of those and then finish with some really big nationally representative surveys. And this is why these studies are so expensive. Uh, this one cost us about $100,000 to try to get really good, rigorous data to be able to come like to you guys and say, this isn't our opinion. This truly is the way that most people are thinking and feeling most of the time in these areas. And then how does this apply to you? That's right. Well, and and here's the thing, why there's our confidence that we have in life, you know, sometimes research can have its own data and there are attempts at trying to find what is true and real about living in God's world. So, and, but the, the comforting thing about what you've done is, is that you've spent time with a lot of real people Re, uh, revising, enhancing your surveys, your interviews, your questions to get to these essential issues. But what I found in reading your book that was so helpful is your translation of the data into such meaningful vocabulary and principles that are immediately relevant to our marriage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's one thing to get blown up by the data and you're like, I. I don't know what these percentages right. mean for my right. marriage. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because if you you can look at the data and just go, okay, well, so what? what? Right? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So what? That's and, right. and that and that that really is, and I will say that is all Shanti. She is the 
able to translate it. Now we talk through all of these things, but on the on the writing of it, I mean that is that is her gift and giftedness coming through. For me, I I love telling stories. I love capturing stories and examples and the illustrations and perhaps I add that to it because, you know, I'm kind of clueless at times and I need <laughs> I need someone to to really make it in some in a in a way an illustration that I can grasp. So that's where I kind of add to the process, but it really is Shanti in that, that giftedness. And isn't that fun just to see, you know, just God does make us different and that's a good thing. I know that in our relationships with whether it's friends or, you know, extended family or immediate family or coworkers, our differences can be really frustrating, but man, they can be so glorious when we take the time to really see how God has formed and shaped us uniquely and to really spur each other on. So that's so great. Well, let's dive into the three. That's uh, right. So well, there's five. There's five total. But for time's sake, we're going to cover three. So everyone go get their book to get all five and to really dive into this deeper. And one of the things, too, you've mentioned this earlier that on your website, Thriving in Love and Money, uh, you actually have an assessment there for couples to yeah. take. Tell us a little bit about the assessment yeah essentially the idea is where are you starting what are the things that you're already doing really well maybe not intentionally but you something keep going with that because it's a good it's strengthening your marriage um and also what are the things that you really have some trap doors where are the areas that are soft underneath your feet as you're walking across the ice right where if you if you had issues in this, it's especially important to know them now because this is a moment where all of those things are being pressed on. This is, I mean, Jeff and I were able to avoid talking about money before because there was money coming in. Mm, <laughs> and right, we, were, right. we, were some, we were able to cope. And now there's millions of marriages that are discovering, well, we can't avoid this anymore. Like we really right. have to come together and do it in a healthy way rather than something where, okay, we're going to just grit our teeth and get through this. But on the other end, there's going to be resentment. Someone's going to feel like someone else was bulldozing them. One person was taking charge and the other person didn't feel like they had a say or whatever. And we want people to come out of this time truly stronger with more delight in their marriage. So. And I think even before you jump into the, the, the three, yeah. one of the things in from our own experience, I mean, we over the years we you know we told you that we didn't communicate effectively on this but we went through or we had the opportunities to go through say a dave ramsey course at mm. our church you know and we think i think so highly of what they all do um and we ended up not being able to go to it well no i'm sorry here's here, he's trying to say it gently i'll say it very directly because it was my, my issue is and this is a, another perfect example of jeff kept wanting to go to dave ramsey he's the saver he's the planner right he kept wanting to go to dave ramsey and i kept going gosh i'm traveling so much and there's this and there's that listen all those things were probably true but they weren't the real reason and i was sort of avoiding it and in the end i hate to admit this to many many people who are going to be listening to this podcast but in the end he went to it by himself because i wouldn't go with him Mm -hmm. and and that dynamic is what is the is the outgrowth 
of yeah. these problems under the surface and these worries and insecurities and expectations we don't even know how to talk about. And so, and, and the problem was it fed into perhaps my insecurities and my beliefs that Shanti just wasn't serious about this yeah. stuff. And therefore, I was perhaps a bit morally superior. In, is that your one? Yeah, that's my perhaps my <laughs> one. Is so that correct? Awesome. Yes. So, yeah. so everybody, this is a one-two dina- dance yes. here. I mean, yes. you're, you're doing it very yeah. well. <laughs> yes. And so, what ended up happening, and it wasn't until actually only about five or six months ago that I'm still thinking about this and unpacking it, that I realized my contribution to Shanti's not wanting to come to it because of my personality she was convinced that I would come out of Dave Ramsey and put the family and her Mm -hmm. on the equivalent of a 500 calorie a day diet yes (laughs) look we've got a goal we're gonna march toward it and it doesn't matter if we're not happy for the next three or four or five years we are darn well going to get whatever it is the goal that I would have set in myself that we have yeah. to achieve. And she was aware of that. Well, yeah. And here's the thing, you know, as a type one with a lot of five in you, um, both are going to be spenders or kind of quote unquote, it's a, it's a stronger word than it needs to be, but a hoarder. Um, so the, the five is, is concerned that their inner resources mm-hmm. will be depleted and they're not going to know what, how to get it. So they want to save and the ones want to save because it's the right thing to do. They want to plan, they want to have a budget. And so you have those two things kind of colliding within you. Both. <laughs> it's like and exponential. It's it's exactly. It's so time. funny that you don't say we have both. Yeah. <laughs> he has both. He has both. But but so I can see how Shanti is in a in a sense a little afraid of you going to Dave Ramsey, even though she probably highly respects what Dave Ramsey does and all the, those sure. principles and stuff. Um, but she also knows you and that you are gonna bring a sense of principleness that is more rigid to her than she would want because twos are more apt to spend money for others. I want to go get this little gift or there's this surprise or this is going to be helpful for the family, but they also, and they're not going to tell you this, they also love little indulgences for themselves because if if everyone else knows about these little indulgences, they'll feel like they're being selfish and not giving to others. And so they kind of hide these indulgences from most people because they're afraid of being rejected or others thinking bad of them. And they want to appear selfless. So they'll have these little secret indulgences. So she's probably afraid, and I haven't even asked Shanti this, but she's probably afraid that you're going to bring down the, the gauntlet like a 500, or 500 calorie diet. And she's like, but I have to have these little indulgences to, to survive because I'm constantly going and doing and I'm busy and I, am I right? Yeah, totally. The example we gave you earlier, which is very common, by the way, across many couples of the Chinese food versus no, let's just grill the chicken from Costco. And it's, it's very common, the, the tension around that, but as you guys lay out, for different reasons, <laughs> because yeah. we're coming yes. from different types and different personalities and different ways of believing. And that's a perfect example where once I was able to articulate, which I couldn't have at all before mm-hmm. we had done this research, once I was able to articulate what was under the surface, I was basically thinking... For example, I have been working all 
darn day long in these meetings, I deserve a little break. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, we've been going for 100 miles an hour. Our son is at track. Our daughter is at volleyball. And I've been at meetings. And Jeff has been doing his meetings all day. And, you know, we just haven't had a whole lot of family time recently. 35 bucks to buy at this sort of precious hour of family time? Absolutely. Like, of course. And of course, perfect too. It is. I mean, like, I could see the dynamic now. Like, you're in the car on the way home trying to convince Jeff to get Chinese food. And he's like, but Jeff is like, we can grill the stupid chicken. Yeah, there's a principle. They're like, yes, it takes more time, but it's the right thing to do. It's going to save the bottom line. I mean, you know, and. And it's not that either one of you are wrong. And that's what I we really yeah, kind of hope with right. couples is how can we come alongside one another and understand what's going on under the hood exactly. to come to an agreement together that edifies each other, ultimately help, you know, glorifies God, helps the family. Well, I, and I would say this about my book buying. It was the scariest thing for me to live within a particular budget for buying books because that meant I didn't have input on trying to become a better father, better husband, better pastor. Mm. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But me buying books was actually preventing me of becoming the better man that because God wanted me to be because I was rely- I was doing so anxiously. You were holding I, on to that. That yeah. was holding on yeah. to something that was actually precluding me from being able to believe God and move forward as a man. That, but, but beyond that, to trust that God has created you to have great discernment. That's the thing about sixes is they think, no, I can't trust myself. I have to get it from outside myself. And really, what, I think the budget for you, in a sense, was... God calling you to not, in a sense, trust yourself, but it's going inward and trusting how the Holy Spirit speaks directly to yep. you, that you don't have to go outside yourself every time. Yep. Okay. Great. Okay, so here we go. We're going to get into these. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, this is great, because it really kind of shows the interplay of yep. how we're all different. We see the world through our own lens. We bring it to our relationships. It can blow up unless we're very aware and have clear conversations and clear communication. And so tell us what our, I know you have let's, five unseen Yeah, let's start factors, with number one, because number one is yeah, really we're important. We're going to talk about the three. Oh, one other thing I want to say is Jeff and I are going to do a part two to this, where we're we're going to unpack it for all nine types. We're not going to do it on this uh, part one episode. So we'll get into more dynamics for the rest of you. Um, but yeah, so Shanti, why don't you go ahead and let's dive into number one. Yeah. So it, there's of these five things, the first three, like you said, are the starting points, right? They're what we most need to understand in a, you know, in a few minutes. The first of these factors, we should explain that's what it is. It's what is underneath the responses to money. And of course, the core fears, the core weaknesses, the longings, all the stuff that you all have unpacked so well play into this. Um, So the first of these that tends to get in the way is that we don't realize we're not valuing what the other person is valuing. We just don't even, first of all, we don't even recognize what's in our heart that we're valuing. And we definitely don't recognize that the other, the spouse sitting across the table from us, like it's legitimate that they care about something completely different. And, and it's, Jeff always used to say, I just thought you had a character flaw. Like, because <laughs> I couldn't imagine how she could not see the world the way yes. 
it appeared to me reality displayed the world. <laughs> yes. And so therefore she must agree with me. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and, and right now, let me give you a right now example, if you don't mind. So yes. right one, there's many different patterns that we identified. Everybody has several of them. We don't have time to get into all of them. But right now, for example, one of the patterns of not valuing what the other person values is every saver type right now, every planner type right now is feeling very vindicated. <laughs> this, is right. the, this is the I told you so moment, right? Like this yes. is the moment yes. where you're, everybody is thinking, and if you don't mind me, no, go. I don't want to throw you under the bus. I'll, I'll try to climb out. You go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we were talking about this recently, you know, with the fact that we've lost a huge percentage of our income sources, Mm-hmm. with this shutdown and the lockdown, which is as we're recording this, is very much still ongoing. And so in in my slightly more spenderish type of, you know, valuing things like getting the Chinese food or valuing getting, like you said, Beth, little indulgences, like, you know, buying a new tunic from Amazon or, you know, whatever. Um, Jeff has been struggling. He, he sort of confessed with some resentment, with a little bit of resentment. Because like, you know what? If, if we hadn't taken that Disney vacation last year, last year, we would have we'd have four thousand thousand more, dollars dollars more and that could really come in handy give a little bit of breathing space and quite frankly what i was doing was i was evaluating shanti's actions totally on a cost basis mm. not on a benefit basis and so when let me explain so when i started thinking about it what we value what we valued differently she was prioritizing family for our experiences the things that we could do to build memories and closeness as a family and quite frankly now that we are all stuck together (laughs) and maybe for the next several weeks or hopefully not months but maybe where we are all tightly packed and we like being around each other Mm. some of that has a great deal to do with what Shanti prioritized, always valuing family, always valuing experiences. And we have laughing times, fits, about the memories that we gained during those times when we actually spent money. So the benefit to the relationship is something that I wouldn't have considered before. I would have just looked at it at the cost that we don't have that money now. So what would be the question that a couple could ask? Because that... Man, I, I, Beth and I, it's taken 25 years to kind of get to a place where we can talk about motive and the in-the-moment situation. Mm-hmm. Um, how, and so please understand, listeners, you're not going to get this right the first time you do it. <laughs> this is not a hack, a life hack. Well, and let's be honest, Jeff, it's not like we, we still are... Riding the roller coaster. I times. did not give you permission <laughs> to confess our marital weaknesses on our later. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, um, but I mean, I think that's really helpful for people sure. to know is that even when you have all of these th- key things to understand, it's still like what you're asking. The good question is, how do we do this in the moment when yeah. it's happening? So, what what would be questions for couples to ask one another? So this is a perfect example of this moment that we're living in where one of the things that is 
in that moment where you're irritated or frustrated or judging, judging <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or feeling judged mm. yes. or feeling guilty about wanting to spend money or whatever it is, it really helps, dramatically helps. If And I'll give you just a, an example so you can put yourself in that illustration. Let's just say, and this is somebody that I interviewed just a couple days ago at the grocery store, because I'm still, by the way, I'm still doing research <laughs> right now. The moment funny. that we're in right now, like the person standing six feet away from me in the social distance grocery store line, you know, I'll ask questions. And, and one of the examples was the... Um, husband was more of the spender. The wife was more the saver because by the way, there are no gender relationships there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We found that there was very little of this that was gender related. There was a couple, but not, not very much. And, um, and so she was more the saver. He was more the spender and they were having um, food delivered to their house and, you know, for dinner or whatever. And he wanted to give the delivery person a really good tip. You know, he wanted, you know, whatever the, I can't remember what it was, but like, let's just say it was $40 worth of food and he wanted to give a $10 tip mm-hmm. to this delivery person. And and she was going, what on earth? Like we have to save the money now. Like this is, and, and the, mm-hmm. the husband was saying, well, but look, the, these restaurants are going out of business and this guy has to feed his kids too. And, you know, this is a, a way that I can support the people who are in the most need. And she was needing, recognizing that she needed to not mm-hmm. judge, but to ask him, help me sort of understand what is in your heart around this. And it was interesting because she said once she was able to lighten up about the fact that's 10 more dollars out the door, that this isn't a $40 thing, this is a $50 dinner. Once she was able to sort of lighten up about that and able to hear his heart and that generosity and that desire to serve and that desire to help that was in, in there underneath the surface, she was like, Oh yeah, right. This is the man I fell in love with. <laughs> like right. this is what yes. I loved about him from the beginning is that he has this unbelievably generous giving heart. And so I have to recognize, yeah, it's a different value. Again, you're caring about something different. But when you ask each other, help me understand rather than what on earth, right? Like help me understand what's underneath that without judging at all. Like the question that you ask, honestly, to be candid, it really doesn't matter. The question isn't the thing that matters. The question is how you're asking it with a sense of, I really want to, I really want to understand you. I really Mm want to dig in. I, because I want to value what you value, or if I'm not going to, ever quite value what you value, which is fine because we're different. I at least want to value the fact that you do value that. I want to honor that and understand you and grow closer. That's what matters more. That's so good. You know, one of the things that John Gottman actually speaks to for couples um, is whenever we need to or request someone address a need that we have in our life, oftentimes we start with a criticism why did you just spend that money? Mm. Why was there another package at the door? And you've already put one another on the defensive. Mm. It's as an attack. To, as opposed to help me understand. That's right. I want to understand. 
We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yeah. And Gottman calls it a soft startup. Yeah. Where we ask a question that, hey, when there, when I saw this, I felt this. Can you help me understand mm-hmm. what what was happening inside of you or what reasons led to that? Because what I need is this. And you're stating it in a way that's much safer and you're not going to get defensiveness, stonewalling, um, or another attack where it's like, well, you did this the other day and you've totally missed it. And this is a very sensitive issue about values here. So, you know, this first idea, we don't value what other, the other person values. When you start talking about it, things get a little scary. (laughs) Well, and and can I even just mention, I, John Gottman is one of my heroes as a researcher. Like his stuff is just amazing. I, I love it. However, in this case, this is an example of based on our research where I actually, I love his, his way, sort of his conversational way of walking someone along that path in general. But when it comes to something where there's a knee-jerk reaction that you're trying to overcome, I actually think it is important when you're standing there giving the $10 tip to the delivery man when, when your spouse is and they turn around and come into the kitchen with the whatever that you're eating, that when you ask the yeah, help me understand. I honestly think that the person should stop there instead of continuing on to the, because I need this. Like mm-hmm. we, we all need to be able to articulate that over time. But one of the things that we've seen is that it's really crucial to truly just seek to understand the yes. other person without the mm-hmm. mutual need to well, because here's what I need. Because so much time in that in that moment, it can come out that way. Right. When we talk about you know how we're all wearing different lenses, right? So as a nine with our logo, I've, I'm wearing purple glasses. Jeff is wearing orange. Shanti wearing teal, and Jeff you're wearing blue. Well, it, we just need to take off our lens for a second. Doesn't mean our perspective is wrong, but it's like, can I can I wear <laughs> your lens for a second? Can, yeah, can you help exactly. me to see this situation from your vantage point, your perspective? What what's going on for you? And that's exactly what you're saying. I love that. Fantastic. Well, let's move on to number two. Yeah. So so the second um, 
the second of these factors that's often going on underneath the surface when it comes to money is that we don't realize that we tend to have different fears and insecurities running under the surface. And actually, statistically, this is one of the few areas that was very gender related, where we had seen in previous research that there was something there and we didn't really unpack it to the depth that we did in this study. But it's almost like men and women tend to have two different kind of gut level fears running under the surface that we're both instinctively responding to. Um, the, the example that, that came to mind when I was listening to this and then seeing the numbers come across in the surveys is it's almost like that gut level fear you have when you're afraid of heights and you're standing on the edge mm-hmm. of a cliff. Now, you guys may be different than me, but I, I'm kind of afraid of heights. And if I'm standing on the edge of a cliff, okay, Beth, maybe yes, that's me. you. Okay. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but when you're standing on the edge of a cliff, it's stupid, but you have this feeling like you're about to be pulled over. Like there's no reason whatsoever mm-hmm. that you would be pulled over. But, but you, it's magnetic. It's magnetic. Yes. It's yes. pulling you towards it. And so what do you do? You back away from that thing that you have this gut level fear about. And you get really annoyed with your spouse who doesn't have that fear of heights when they go to the edge and they can't go, come here, take a selfie on the edge. You're kind of like are you nuts? Can you not see we're going to fall over and die? Well, and it turns out when it comes to money, we tend to have these two different cliffs that we see as magnetic that are going to pull us over the edge and we're going to die. And it statistically tends to be gender. And by the way, they're gender related. There are always exceptions to this. Sure. Mm -hmm. Statistically somewhere around 75% of men and 75% of women tended to fall into these categories. So the men's, and this is really triggering, this moment that we're living in in history is really triggering this, where men, their cliff, so to speak, tends to be, am I going to be able to provide for the family? Am I going to be enough? Do I have what it takes to be able to provide? You know, with with this feeling of we are being pulled towards that edge and we are going to fall over and die as a family financially because I'm not enough. And are we going to have enough in the future? And are we going to have enough in the future to provide into retirement, for example? And so he tries to back away from the edge. And he tries, and this is a common thing, for example, that explains emotionally why why even during normal times when there's prosperity and lots of jobs and the economy is great, why so many men will work these insane hours at the office. And it's not necessarily that they needed to be there that extra hour or two, but they're putting in that FaceTime so that the boss can see that they're committed, so that they feel like, okay, I'm, I'm safe with this. Not that you ever feel safe as a guy in this area, but as safe as possible. I'm not going to be on the boss's cut list. Right now, I was talking to the wife of a police officer just a few days ago, and she was saying her husband is taking every conceivable overtime hour mm-hmm. that he can mm-hmm. possibly take. And what he's trying to do is back away from that edge, that fear. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, is that women statistically tend to have a different 
cliff that feels magnetic and that it's pulling at them. Women are just as likely to be worried about money too. Like I said, women are just as likely to be savers as, as men are. And yet her cliff fear isn't so much, are we going to be financially okay? As much as it is, are we okay? Are we okay as a family? Are we we okay relationally? Are the kids feeling loved? Is everybody feeling, you know, okay emotionally? And when you, my husband, the police officer, are incredibly stressed around about money right now, and you're walking around with the black cloud of doom hanging over your head, and I'm so worried about your stress that I'm worried you're going to have a heart attack. The answer to are we okay is definitely no. (laughs) And so the desire is to back away from that edge that feels like we could fall apart. And so, and this is more during normal times, for example, where then let's do that vacation. Let's spend time together. Let's do what we need to do to grow closer. So, okay, so yeah, our daughter um, travel soccer is expensive, And yet this is something we can do together as a family. And wait, but you're working all these overtime hours and you're missing the soccer games. And And yes, I'm working these overtime hours because we have to pay for the the soccer soccer games. Exactly. And so there's this, the tension that we found is that whether it's a time like this where everything is uncertain or whether it's a time of great prosperity during any time, our efforts to stay away from our individual edge, our cliff, tends to make your fear worse. Because as you spend the money on the soccer, the travel soccer, that pulls him towards his edge. And so he needs to work more overtime or whatever it is. And that dynamic, which plays out in hundreds of thousands of different ways, that emotional dynamic is so often running under the surface. And you have to be able to talk about it. You have to be able to go to your husband, for example, and to say, really? Like, you really honestly think like you could lose your job, but you're amazing at what you do. Well, that's a thing. Like, you really feel that way? And and be able to listen and hear and not poo-poo that this is a very real fear, for example. You know, as I think about my own story with books, um, what Beth was saying by stop buying so many books, why do you buy so many books? That was the primary vehicle I was learning about how to become a better husband and a better father. Mm-hmm. And so she's, she's literally saying, to in, interpret it through my lens. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank stop. you for that clarification. <laughs> <laughs> um, that Jeff, stop trying to be enough. And just be who you are, which I was not confident that I was enough. Yeah, you're being as a man, as a father, as a husband. That's right. And so the expression of that was Mm -hmm. purchasing books. Now it could have been all. It could have been anything. Pick your Baskin Robbins flavor, right? Um, But it's and and I would I would probably I'd be curious about this. I don't know this for certain, but my sense is, is that men and women, as they tap into the sphere are going to respond according to their Enneagram type. Mm-hmm. And so I'd a type one, that. yeah. <laughs> that's right. A type one husband is going to respond more principally, uh, for it, when he encounters that fear. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a different response than a type five husband mm-hmm. or a type eight husband. Um, and even for women as well. Um, 
that it's going to the the fear is the same, but the reaction to that fear is different. Yeah, right? the way they go very, about it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, very much. I true. would, I would, I would argue very much that that is likely to be the case. If we were to ever to do a study on enneagram and gender, for example, we we. I would be very surprised if we didn't see some of that because that's in general what we've seen overall with all sorts of different temperaments and character different you know categories mm-hmm. and all sorts of things where the fear that gut level concern mm-hmm. and that insecurity are very much the same how it comes out is yeah. very different and yes. for for women, and by the way, and I'll just I'll just say this statistically, women's fear, women's insecurity, women's cliff, it, it's also am I enough? But it's a different type. It's am right. I enough to keep him? Mm-hmm. Am I am I lovable? Am I special enough? Like there is nothing in me. Why do you even love me? Right? Mm-hmm. Like what what inside of me could draw someone as amazing as you? That's the kind of the subconscious thing. Yeah. We, we ended one of our books with a, with a quote from a, a, a wife trying to explain to, this is the, the book for men about understanding their wives years ago, um, helping men understand how much we wives really need and and appreciate our men, even though it doesn't always look like it. And yeah. the quote that just gets everybody is that the wife was saying, I'm convinced that one of these days he's going to wake up, jump over the mound of unwashed clothes and bolt out the door. <laughs> like, you know, like He's going to like yeah. come to his senses and go, why am I with her? You know, that's the, that's the instinctive, ridiculous fear and insecurity that we tend to have and we simply don't recognize that the other person truly has a different type of insecurity and it's really truly feeling like a cliff that's going to pull them down right well which kind of bleeds into point number three you know yeah um so why don't you go ahead and jump into that one so the third thing which is such a big deal and such a big picture thing that's running under the surface of so many marriages anyway is that we we just resist being one in marriage anyway and it's Mm. coming out in how we handle money and Mm. we just kind of want to do what we want to do (laughs) at any time and we (laughs) found that we found that 80 percent of couples had one or more of the biggest markers the most dangerous damaging markers of sort of a lack of oneness around money and and essentially a hundred percent of us have some of them. And I, I looked at the numbers and I'm like, huh, I think we just statistically proved sin. This is just, we want to do what we want to do. And it, it's easy during normal times for that to be masked. Mm-hmm. Right. For us to sort of not really see what's underneath the surface, because it's kind of like and this is not just me and Jeff. This is so many people where it's very easy to avoid these money conversations and to avoid to in order to avoid the fights or the tension around it by kind of going, OK, your paycheck goes into your account. 
my paycheck goes into my account and we kind of share some things or, you know, some, some couples completely separate their money. And I mean, we literally heard people who were like, Hey, could you Venmo me 50 bucks for the gas bill? Like, you that's, know, your that's your portion. Like they split everything. And, and some people, you know, more have, yeah, they have one or two accounts that they use in general, but convenience is what we call it. It's convenience to have our money be separate. And yeah, that is a big deal because you're institutionalizing a lack of oneness in your marriage. You're institutionalizing. It's you and me. It's not we. And somebody listening to this may go, well, but that's not me. We completely share our accounts. Like everything is, is joint. We're, we're one. We don't have that problem. And, and maybe you don't like, maybe that's, maybe you are a little more healthy in, in that way, but okay. Ask yourself, do you ever try to pull the Amazon packages off the front step before your spouse sees it? I'm not looking at Beth. <laughs> And the reality is all of us have those things where we're just trying to do what we want to do. But I will say, I will say I do have money in another account that I don't really let you see just so I can make sure there's a little extra savings. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> just being honest. See, I'm coming exactly. alongside What you. she doesn't know is that I do know that it exists. <laughs> uh, and I, I let her have it. <laughs> if she needs her blankie, she can have a blankie. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. In, in Isaiah, it says that we all like sheep have gone astray. Yeah. Each of us have gone our own way. Mm. There, we were made to connect with one another but that is terrifying to us mm-hmm. yeah. when they're not committed to our values and addressing our fears. And so our inclination is to live autonomously, mm-hmm. to yeah. live independently. We do it with God. We do it with one another. And we, will, we want to attach to those things that are going to give us security. And it, or what we believe, what we believe will. And so, now, please, listeners, Mm -hmm. if you email us and say, my husband and I, or my wife and I, have separate accounts and we're one. That's fine, great, fantastic. But for some of you, that's actually a symptom of an issue that your hearts really aren't together. You've just found a way to not have to address it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what we're kind of, I think what you guys are getting at, what we're getting at is, are we willing to understand what's going on under the hood? What's the motivations? And are we willing to talk about it and deal with it and come alongside each other to support each other in our own personal growth, but our own relational growth? You know, I remember there's a TED talk uh, about this and I was uh, reminded of it in preparation for this podcast that um, it, and the, the principle was this, is that the antithesis to addiction is not sobriety. The antithesis is connection. Mm-hmm. Meaning we are harming ourselves because we are so anxious um, because we don't have connection in those relationships that mean the most to us. Yeah. And these questions, although are terrifying to address will help you to resolve issues with money because you are connected with one another. Well, and and let me just, if you don't mind, point out one thing that I think we all know is true right now. 
they're terrifying. Those, those questions digging into this can be terrifying to address. And now is a moment where we kind of have no choice. <laughs> we like, let's sure. use this yes. time because we've been able, many of us, Jeff and I included, have been able to avoid addressing these things. We could cope. Well, this is a moment where a lot of us, our, our finances have been turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And, and suddenly we're recognizing the future, even if your finances haven't been, the future is probably going to look a little different than yes, the past yeah. for, for some time to come. This is this incredible opportunity that we've been given to be able to grow closer around money, which, oh, by the way, will help you grow closer together, period. Because this is what Jesus said, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just about just about things like trusting God, which it is, and trusting that when you tithe, as he asks you to, that he'll provide. It's also truly about the fact that this, Money does reveal the heart in general. And oh, by the way, it also steers the heart. If you will, for example, take the courageous step of going, okay, we do kind of have a tendency to, for convenience, you know, have your account and my account. And we really need to start talking about it and actually combine things and come together and create a budget for the first time. That will actually steer your heart towards oneness. Because you're doing this hard thing and having to deal with these hard issues. Well, I think that's a great place to kind of kind of wrap this up because the next episode, Jeff and I are going to take that, take all this information and kind of unpack it for each of the nine types. And so that will be a great segue for us to encourage each of you in your own way of seeing the world, dealing with it, and why you do what you do. So I really look forward to that as well. And so there's a couple of next steps for all of our listeners. Um, number one, you need to go to thrivinginloveandmoney.com. Uh, and there's a couple things that you're going to be able to get there. Number one, you need to go get a copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to help you kind of to give you some principles outside your own opinions and beliefs to like, this is what healthiness and thriving look like. We all need that. Um, but number two, there's an assessment there. And so it's just right there at the top of the page, big blue button that it's says, free. take the assessment. And, and Shanti, you said it's about five minutes, right? Five or six yeah, minutes. Yeah, very quick. It's very yeah. robust, but it's very quick to take. Now, one of the additional steps that you can take is uh, if you go to becomingus.com, Beth and I have put together a personalized marriage plan. Now, this is not about money, but this is about your relationship specific to your couple type. So you put in both your Enneagram type and you put in your spouse's type, and we'll give you a six-page summary on when you're healthy and unhealthy as it relates to a variety of different topics. And so... It, combining these two things are one, it's going to give you initial insight as to the real condition of where you're at with money in your marriage. And then number two, it's going to give you initial insight and understanding how your type is playing into the dynamics about money. And that one's free as well. And that one is free as well. And then our next episode, Beth and I are actually going to walk the wheel. Uh, that's our, our phrase, phrase of saying going through one through <laughs> We're nine. We're going to go through one through nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are so thankful, Feldhans, for... I, one, your diligence and research. Yes. I mean, you've put a lot of work into this. But I think number two is your genuine heart 
for couples. Mm-hmm. And it, it bleeds mm-hmm. through how you talk about it. You get passionate about it. Um, so we are, thank you. I, well, and also just thank you for being real and honest. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people can write a book and kind of show that they've got it all together, but you're real and you're honest <laughs> and, you know, like you're showing us your struggles. And I just really appreciate that because it's just going to help everyone else to understand just like hopefully they hear from Jeff and I, like we're in this with you guys yeah. and we need Jesus and we need helpful tools to walk us through sometimes are crazy and chaotic and confusing, uh, money, life situations, you name it. So thanks for just that honesty and that transparency. So is there anything you'd like to add before we go? No, I just really am more grateful that we could do this with you guys. One, it's it's almost like uh, when we do these types of interviews, it's almost like ongoing therapy sessions for us. <laughs> so so it's all very, very helpful. It's not just us pouring that out. Never to other. It, it's us getting, <laughs> getting diagnosed and helped. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yes. Well, so I'm, I'm really thankful because you've helped Beth out a lot today. Uh, I've been, I, was, I was doing great, but Beth really needed yes, some help. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, she confessed she has another account, so yes. let's just be honest. <laughs> but, it's the, but it's the right Maybe one. Yeah. It's the savings account. No, I'm That's, <laughs> well, That's awesome. thanks, guys. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to walk the wheel on how each of the nine types uh, kind of function with money, think about money, and the motivations behind that. We'll see you next time. <laughs>